Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Fake But Okay, a podcast where an arrow ace girl, I'm Sarah, that's me. And a demi-straight girl, that's me, Kayla. And an asexual drag queen, that's me, Venus Envy. Talk about all things to do with love, relationships, sexuality, and pretty much anything else we just don't understand. On today's episode, asexuality and drag. Sounds Sounds fake, fake, but but okay. okay. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, Milk. I was trying to think oh, okay. of a single drag queen that's name was started with an M. There's one called Milk. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I got one. All right. I I had in the back of my head prepared um monkeys playing with slime because I saw that on Instagram. So oh, that's exciting. That's just where we're going. Um, Good. Moving on, as we do when we have guests. <laughs> Just gloss right over that bit. Um, we have a lovely, lovely guest today. Uh, Kayla, you know more about the world of drag than I do, so Kayla is kind of going to be taking the lead on this episode. Uh, so d- d- take it, take it away, Kayla. You go, go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we have a very exciting guest on today to help us dive into the world of drag and how it intersects with asexuality so we have venus envy on hello hello how are you good i'm very excited to have you on i recently as sarah said got into drag because in quarantine what else are you supposed to do than watch all of the seasons of drag race which is you know the easiest way to introduce yourself to drag um so yeah very excited. So could you want to give us like a little introduction of yourself? Um, sure. My name is Venus Envy. I am 29 years old and I live in Orlando, Florida. I've been doing drag for about five years now and I actually am a woman who performs as a drag queen. Yeah, which I'm also like super excited to talk to you about that too, even though it doesn't have like as much to do with like asexuality or the themes of our podcast, I guess, because... Um, I guess we should describe what drag is for anyone listening who doesn't know before we get into all of that. So do you have, I guess, like a, if you meet someone who's like never heard of a drag queen, do you have like an easy way to describe that to someone? Yes. So the definition I always use for drag, and this encompasses any kind of drag, not just drag queens, is that drag is the artistic expression of gender. So a lot of the time when you think of a drag queen, you'll think of like a very hyper feminine persona. When you think of a drag king, you'll think of like a very masculine drag persona. But there's also drag that's kind of gender fucked and club kid and neither here nor there with gender. And I think that that's what makes drag awesome. Yeah, that's what I definitely like. I think the type of drag I lean to more is the very like androgynous kind of like gender fuck drag. I think it's just like, very interesting so yeah so you said you started doing drag five years ago was there like I guess I'm sure there is a reason what was the reason that kind of you started being like okay I'm going to actually do this um well it actually started like a long time before that I have loved the art of drag ever since I was I don't know maybe like 14 or 15 years old so I'm talking pre-drag race because I'm kind of old so (laughs) 
Um, I don't remember exactly how I got into it, but I just remember being a teenager and trying to consume as much drag as I possibly could, even though I was not old enough to go out to the clubs. And then as soon as I turned 18 and moved to Orlando for college, um, it was a bigger city and I actually did have the opportunity to go out and experience drag in the real world and see how diverse it really is. And that's kind of what inspired me to do drag myself was just seeing that drag in the real world is actually so much cooler and so much more unique than just the drag you see in mainstream media. Like I was going to say, as someone who doesn't know that much about the world of drag, like I feel like everyone's impression of it who isn't super entrenched in it is they think about like the people who are on like RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, you have like, uh, like usually cisgender men who might identify as gay who are like drag queens and that's just kind of what people think of as drag but it's a lot broader than that in in reality yeah i'd be willing to say that cis gay men who perform as hyper feminine personas i will say that's probably about the majority of the drag scene but Mm -hmm. there really are drag entertainers of all genders with drag personas of all genders out there and once you're in it the gender of the person beneath it generally doesn't matter as much yeah, because it's it's about the performance. It's about the the expression. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, as someone who started with RuPaul's Drag Race, kind of, like, moving from that further, it's kind of, like, when that's your starting point, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, drag queen is, like, a man dressing as a woman. And it's because I never really experienced drag, like, in person, it's kind of interesting to see it in the media. So when you were growing up and you were, like, 14 really getting into drag like where did that come from where were you seeing drag queens were they like where you lived were you like where were you seeing them um I wouldn't say I was seeing them so much as I was like intentionally seeking them out I think my introduction may have actually been the Rocky Horror Picture Show which was and still is one of my like all-time favorite movies And then the Mm -hmm. other movie I was obsessed with was Party Monster. So my introduction to drag was actually more of that androgynous, gender-fucked, club kid type of drag. And honestly, even though that's not the type of drag I mostly do, that is kind of what I gravitated toward and what attracted me to drag in the first place. Yeah, I never even thought about Rocky Horror as drag I think I saw Rocky Horror for the first time when I was like way too young to be seeing it <laughs> and so all. I never like fully yeah I like never fully <laughs> conceptualized what I was looking at but yeah that is a hundred percent drag <laughs> okay so now I want to I guess pivot a little bit to the other half of this conversation I guess which is your asexuality so you are an asexual person so Could you share kind of like either how long you've been identifying that way or like how old you were when you kind of like came to be like confident, not even confident, just kind of like realizing that's like what you were, what you might be? Well, I realized pretty early on that I didn't experience sexual attraction. But when I say early on, I'm still talking about that like 14, 15 year old phase of my life when it's generally pretty normal to not really be interested in that kind of stuff. And then as I got older and I still wasn't getting that interest, I kind of started to think like, maybe I'm just a late bloomer. And then it became, 
maybe something's <laughs> wrong with me. <laughs> and then it became, maybe I'm a lesbian, but I'm just so in the closet about it that I'm internalizing it this way. And I had mm -hmm. always been all throughout like middle and high school, one of those allies who was way too involved to everyone who assumed <laughs> me not out yet and not like was probably going to be the last one to know. Um, I do actually identify as, and I'm still kind of figuring this part out, but I guess um, bi-romantic or pan-romantic because I do occasionally experience romantic attraction. Like I've had crushes on boys, girls, gender non-conforming individuals. Um, but those crushes are very, they're crushes. There's nothing sexual about it. It's very surface level. And I generally don't pursue it either because they're my friends and that's just crossing a line or because I know they're not interested in me um, or because I know that even if I was to be in a relationship with them, that that relationship probably would not really go anywhere just because of my general lack of sexual attraction or desire to do anything sexual or even really romantic. Um, I didn't really know what asexuality was until I was 21 years old and I just kind of, as most of us do, came across it on tumblr.com and that was the first <laughs> time I ever learned about what asexuality is and I just remember seeing the term and it was in this comic by a girl who identified as asexual about her experience with asexuality and I looked at this comic and I was like, that's me. I, did, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know I could I could do that. Like, I didn't know there was a word for it. So I came out that very same day. I sent that comic to my mom and said, wow. I figured it out. <laughs> and then she was kind of like, okay, cool. Like she always knew I didn't date. She always knew I was a virgin, even at 21, even now at 29. Um, so I don't think <laughs> she was surprised. Um, but that's kind of how it happened. I've been out ever since. I wasn't actually outspoken about it until very recently, like just in the past maybe two years. But for all intents and purposes, I have been out for about eight years now. <laughs> I, I love how, how Tumblr is basically just the birthplace of, <laughs> of all asexuals. <laughs> so it's where we all found it. It really is. Oh, it's interesting to hear how your story, I feel like, maps onto, like, a lot of the stories I've hear heard about, like, maybe I'm a lesbian or, like, I feel like recently I've seen so many people being, like, well, I thought I was bi because I had all of the same attraction to all of the genders, but I didn't realize that that was no attraction to anyone, not just, like, the same attraction. So I think <laughs> it's very interesting to watch people, like, just kind of, like, move through those queer identities as they're, like, trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a confusing ride, but we got there. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all just a complicated bundle of, of things and feelings. But you know what? We're here. We made it. We're fine. <laughs> it's true. You made it. That's all that counts. <laughs> so you kind of realized you were asexual before you decided to actually participate in drag, like, doing it yourself. Did it ever like cross your mind of like I wonder if like my asexuality will like like not get in the way of drag but like will kind of like influence my drag or like was that ever like even something you considered when you were thinking about starting to do drag um that's not a thought that crossed my mind and I think that's just due to my pure naivety 
I don't think that's how you pronounce that word. I know to me, drag never seemed to me like it was a sexual thing. Burlesque to me never seemed like it was a sexual thing. Going to nightclubs never seemed like it was a sexual thing to me. And I think part of that is because I was probably just very socially oblivious to just how integrated sex and sexuality is in all of those things. Um, and it really wasn't until I had been doing drag for a couple years and I started to become a little bit more like well-known on the internet that somebody kind of brought it to my attention. Like, so if you're asexual, why do you dress so sexy? I just never thought of it mm-hmm. that way, I guess. I just never considered myself sexy, I guess. Um, so it just never really crossed my mind, honestly. I feel like that's a very ace experience where, like, you just, like, don't view certain things as sexual. Like, uh, things that other people view as, like, inherently sexual or, like, super sexualized. You're just like, oh, what? this is just how I dress and how I act and whatever. And then, like, once once you're able to, like, map that, like, what other people see onto it, you're like, oh, is this is this what you've been thinking and seeing this whole time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think we talked about this in another episode of, like, kind of, like, the ace or really, I think, arrow as well experience of, like, people saying you're flirting when you, like, have no intention of flirting yourself. And it's kind of because, like, you know, it never crossed my mind to flirt. So, like, why would I think of this as a flirting activity? I think it's kind of similar to that of, like, well, I've never found someone else dressing this way to be sexy so what I why would I think if I did it that it would be sexy for me to do it yeah and also when I'm in drag I like I do like you know pad my body I cinch my waist I stuff and contour my chest to unrealistic proportions but when I do all of that I'm not thinking of it as sexy I'm thinking of it as I want to look like a monster high doll or this is how I wish my body looked, or I want to look like a cartoon. Like those are the kinds of thoughts that are going through my head when I'm, when I'm doing it. And then when I am in full drag, I feel like I kind of look like a clown. So I feel like (laughs) if anyone finds me sexy, that really says more about them than it does about me. That's on you. (laughs) If you think I'm sexy, that's on you. That is very true because, like you said, drag is about performing gender, not necessarily performing sexuality. Like when I look at your drag, it feels very like this is just like hyper feminine. This is taking like what people see feminine to be and like bringing it to an extreme of, like you said, like a doll or something like that. Where So it's like that expression of gender and it's kind of interesting to think about like when did sexuality come into that? Because I think a lot of people do see the drag world as very like sexualized. So what do you think, because like when I watch drag, I do do get like the sense that it is like a sexual performance for a lot of performers of like trying to put on like kind of a like oh I'm acting like a woman so I'm going to try to like attract these men like what do you think it is about drag that makes it like a for a lot of people like a very sexualized thing um I guess what makes drag a very sexualized thing for some people is I guess it just depends on why you do drag so for some people drag is a way of 
embracing or expressing femininity or masculinity when society tells them that they need to be the opposite. So for them, I feel that there's probably this sense of confidence and power that comes with being able to present yourself in a way that you are told that you're not allowed to present. So I can see how for some people when they're in drag, it may feel like, wow, I'm gorgeous. Wow, I'm hot. Wow, I'm sexy. I feel so confident and powerful. Whereas for me, it doesn't have that sexuality piece. But also for me, drag isn't about presenting in a way that I'm told I'm not allowed to present. It's more so going way over the top with the, my presentation of femininity as someone whose femininity is policed on a regular basis, just being a woman in society. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that does make a lot of sense. And I almost, I kind of wonder too, for like a lot of queer people, your sexuality is very policed of like, for a gay man, like it's not necessarily okay for you to like walk around talking about like how much you love to have sex or to like act very sexy. And so I do kind of wonder if that's part of it of like, okay, I'm putting on this persona, like I'm, you know, I'm kind of putting myself in this performance state and now like no one can stop me from like presenting, you know, what is what is usually police, both for gender and sexuality, I guess. I never thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense, actually, because for me, I'm not, as someone who's asexual, I don't have people in society telling me, stop talking about that. That's inappropriate. Think of the children. No one's doing that to me. So I don't feel the need to express and reclaim that. Whereas for other queer people who are policed in that way, it probably is a very empowering experience to be able to be overtly sexual. It's it's like how a lot of the reason why pride is so sexualized, which, you know, the the asexuality community's relationship to that is a whole other can of worms. But, it you know, it was in, in large part because these people were told that they couldn't express themselves and they're saying, fuck you, we're going to have a whole party I'm going to wear it. a thong to pride. <laughs> yeah. And and so it was so it was a rebellion against, like, the status quo, but it was also like a... a a means of performance and self-expression and i think you know it is it is cool to to have you or to have you know other like drag performers who maybe don't fit the stereotype of what we think about when we think about like drag queens because then you know those people are coming at it from a different perspective and like they're doing it for different reasons and that you know impacts how they perform and I think the the greater diversity of types of performances we have like the better yeah I think it's super important to have diversity in drag and I think that like I said I think that that's just kind of what inspired me so much was seeing how diverse drag is in the real world compared to what we see on television and I think part of that is in addition to gender diversity and racial diversity sexual diversity as well yeah for sure what has it been like for you, like, as a female drag queen? Like, are there, because from my, like, limited view of just getting into drag, like, for me, it feels like it's all, like, gay men. Like, is that the reality? And, like, how, I don't know, how has been, like, entering the scene as a female drag queen? Like, what's the experience been, I guess? My experience may be a little bit different than some other women who do drag, because 
I've been doing drag for five years, but I've been a part of my local drag scene for about 10 or so years, just working at the clubs, working backstage, backup dancing for queens, doing queens makeup. I've just kind of always been there. And by the time I started doing drag several years into my involvement in the club scene, most of the other queens in my generation were people who I had helped them start out. I had been supporting them from the beginning. They were my friends. They were people I knew very well. So when I started doing drag myself, it didn't have that, oh, she's an outsider. Why is she here? What makes her think that she's entitled to do this? It was just kind of, oh, she's doing drag now? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like they already knew I could do the makeup. They already knew I could perform. They already knew I knew the history. They already knew I was part of the club scene. So it just kind of was a logical next step. So I didn't really receive any pushback from my local drag scene. And my local drag scene also just living in Orlando, a large percent of our drag scene is transgender women. So when I was first starting out, a lot of those transgender women really went out of their way to kind of welcome me into it. They made sure I got bookings. They made sure I was treated fairly. And I think having that experience was amazing because not only did I not receive that pushback, but anytime I would receive that pushback, there was always another queen who identified as a woman there to say, oh, so you'll book me, but not her. What are you trying to say that I'm not a woman? And it would shut it down really quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet, I bet it would. Yeah. And I think that just like proves your point of how important it is to have diversity and drag of like, because there were other people around you who were trans, who were not gender conforming. It wasn't just like kind of like a boys club. It made it easier to kind of enter. And I imagine that like as time goes on and it gets more diverse, it'll just be easier and easier for more diverse people to join. Mm -hmm. Is there anything about your like performance? I know you, so I know you said that like you only realized within the last couple of years, like, oh, I guess asexuality and drag like kind of is like odd to people, or I guess there is like kind of a dissonance. Has that like affected your performance at all like did you ever think okay well maybe I like shouldn't dress as sexual or like maybe I should change how I'm performing or anything like that um I wouldn't say it's affected my performances at all my performance style this isn't all the time but when I actually have the time to put effort into what I'm doing and to put out a number I really like I love performing stupid campy comedic numbers so because that's most of what I perform, I don't really view it as doing something sexy. And when I do, I almost view it as mocking sexuality. Like I performed the song Sex Dreams by Lady Gaga and it was for a lingerie themed party. So the number had to be somehow like based on lingerie or you had to wear lingerie. So I came out looking probably more sexy and gorgeous than I've ever felt in my whole entire life. Like I felt so <laughs> confident and then I performed sex dreams and I squirted the audience with an enema filled with water. Do I necessarily oh know what an enema is for? No. Have I ever used an enema before? No, but I think it was funny and that's what matters. <laughs> that's delightful. 
I love that. Because it's, yeah, I don't know. The more I think about it, I feel like at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, drag is about, like, gender performance, not necessarily sexuality performance. But, like, it also very much, like, is and can be a performance of sexuality. Like, you kind of mocking, like, okay, so we're doing sexual today. I'm going to be so overly the top sexual that you realize, like, how stupid being sexual sometimes is and, like, how it actually does not make sense sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I th- I think gender and sexuality are are so related. And, like, that's – there's a reason why, you know, they both kind of have their own place. Like, they, they fit together. They both have a place in the queer community because, you know, a lot of times once people start questioning, like – their their sexuality they also kind of question how they express their gender and how whether that leads to them identifying as non-binary or trans or not like it it still makes them think about you know how they express themselves and so i think drag is really it drag is such a queer thing it's such a queer activity and such a queer space that you know it really does embrace both the gender and sexuality of it all yeah Speaking of drag being very queer, it's obviously very embedded in the queer community. How has, like, your drag community been about your asexuality specifically? Have you received any, like, pushback about, like, you're not queer, you're just, like, you know, asexuality doesn't belong here, or, like, anything like that? Um, I haven't received any of that from my own community, I started working at the clubs when I was 18 years old, and I didn't even know what asexuality was until I was 21. So for a while, I was just a very awkward, late-stage teenager who would get hit on all the time and then have panic attacks because I didn't know how to respond, and I didn't like it, and I didn't like boys, but I don't know if I like girls. And I think that my general reputation from that was just she's confused. So that was kind (laughs) of what I was. I was just confused. And then when I did realize I was asexual, I don't know if I would say that I officially like came out to people, but I did start using that as a response when people would proposition me and I wouldn't be interested. I now had a valid excuse that wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings. So when I did come out to people, it was usually people who had made advances on me that I had turned down. Um, And then that kind of just became an educational moment each time I had to have that conversation. And I wouldn't say I received any kind of pushback because for the most part, people weren't really concerned with my sexual orientation because people were not. And when I say people, I mean like the other entertainers, they weren't sexually interested in me. So why did they care about my sexual orientation? Um, When I started, I believe I was the only cis woman doing drag. There were cis women doing burlesque, but I think I was the only cis woman doing drag at the time I started doing it locally. So because I wasn't sexualized, because I was a woman and most of the people I was performing with are not sexually attracted to women, it just kind of never really came up and it was never really an issue. And I think honestly, maybe that's why I felt so comfortable and safe there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of like, like, I mean, because drag is such a queer thing, 
obviously it's not like it's a prerequisite that's like you must prove how you're queer before you can participate in drag or that sort of thing but like do you ever feel not necessarily from your own community because obviously they've been wonderful and accepting but do you ever feel like from just the broader you know the the void that is the internet (laughs) do you do you ever feel as though like that like there are people who who would be exclusionary towards like in ace like drag performer like you mentioned that like you hadn't really experienced any um issues from your own community but like as a as a person on the internet has that happened to you um online yes i haven't received it as much for being asexual as i have just for being a woman um Mm. but i've definitely gotten pushback for both part of the reason that Although I realized I was asexual and was super happy about that when I was 21, I stopped mentioning it on the internet for a while because, like I said, I discovered that on Tumblr. At the time, Mm -hmm. I was a decently popular Tumblr user, not to brag. Um, (laughs) And when I... So was Sarah. It's okay. (laughs) I'm... No, I wouldn't call myself a popular Tumblr user. Within your your fandom, I feel. Whatever. This doesn't matter. (laughs) So... I, you know, I was so happy that I had a word for it. I was so confident and comfortable. So I would, I started making posts about the fact that I was asexual. And every time I would make a post, I would just get an onslaught of anonymous messages telling me, you know, that's just straight with extra steps. That's not a real thing. That doesn't make you queer. Shut the fuck up. We don't care. You're not better than everybody else just because you don't want to have sex when that none of that was implications I was trying to make so I kind of learned very early on oh people don't like this so maybe I should just not talk about it if I don't want to receive this pushback because at that kind of pivotal time in discovering my sexuality that pushback was really making me wish I was not asexual and for a long time I kind of like wished I was any other identity except that one (laughs) and just kind of decided okay, well, maybe I'm just going to not put a label on it then because this is the one that fits the best, but I don't want this one. So I'm just not going to use it. So that's how it was for a couple years. And then I only just recently started talking about it again because, you know, Tumblr's dead. I left all that behind. I have a new name. I have new social networks. And then somehow was lucky enough to find that same level of popularity. So now I'm at a point in my life where I'm older and I have more life experience to where I can say, oh, I have this platform. There's other asexual kids who are getting the same pushback I did. I should really use my platform to speak up about it and to be open about it and to show that you can be an out asexual adult and be accepted for that. So that's why I think it's important to talk about it now. And generally speaking, I mostly get a very positive reaction when I do mention my asexuality. But there always is that one or two comments telling me that I'm not queer just because I'm asexual. Or I have no right to be doing drag because I'm not queer. Or I have no right to be doing drag because I'm a woman. When in reality... I do identify as queer and I almost feel the need now to add that caveat every time I mention I'm asexual that I'm biromantic or panromantic but I usually don't because I don't want to give myself a label when 
my romantic attraction is so rare and so far and few between that it almost doesn't feel right making that part of my identity. I'm just asexual. I've, I've never been in a yeah. relationship. I'm not looking to be in a relationship. So why should I give myself a label that doesn't necessarily feel 100% accurate just because I feel like I have to tack that on so people realize I'm queer enough, quote unquote. Yeah, and you, sh- you shouldn't have to, you know, use that other identifier just to, you know, like prove like something. Cause then it almost feels like you're kind of like kneecapping your asexual identity, which is clearly, it seems to be, at least from my perspective, seems to be a little bit more important to you since that's the one that you like really talk about. So yeah, I think... I think that's that's a good that's a good outlook to have, like whether whether you're you're bi romantic, pan romantic, or you know whatever, it's you don't have to use that to qualify yourself as queer if you are also ace because you're already queer. That's exactly how I see it. I think that asexuality is just like any other sexual orientation. It is a sexual orientation. It is a sexual identity, and it's an inherently queer identity, in my opinion. This makes me feel so validated. I struggle with that a lot of like feeling queer enough because I'm like demisexual and I like am like hetero romantic. Like I struggle with that a lot. So I always love just to hear people validate me. <laughs> Kayla loves to be validated. I love Not to be validated. All. But I think I think it's so important to hear though that you've had so much acceptance from your like physical community because I think when we spend so much time online, like, I know I don't have a lot of, like, queer people around me ever since, like, leaving college especially. And so a lot of my time in the queer community is spent online, which can be, like, really exclusionary and kind of harmful. Um, And you kind of start thinking to yourself, like, oh, if everyone online is being like that, everyone in person must be super exclusionary, too. And sometimes they are. Like, I've heard horror stories from in-person interactions, too. But it's just, like, very heartening to hear your experience of being in, like, an incredibly queer space of, like, a club with drag queens. Like, it just feels like, you know, the, the epitome of a queer space and just you're receiving, like, just the utmost like just like respect for who you are it's just like not to be like it gets better campaign but like it (laughs) it can get better (laughs) yes i'm so grateful for the community that i've been around and that i continue to be around well and i also feel like you know the whole basis of whether it's the the drag scene or like 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 my my brain just goes straight to like Paris is burning like house culture like all of that stuff like the point of that was to be inclusionary was to was to like open like accept people with open arms and like that was that's that's the whole that's the whole background of that and so i think for for something to be you know a truly queer drag you know experience it has to embrace that as well so it's good to see that 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 has been your experience What do you hope for the future of drag? Like, I know you've kind of talked about, like, online you've received pushback for, like, being a woman in drag. So what do you hope for, like, like the future of continuing to diversify and just what you hope kind of, like, the drag culture grows into in the future? Um, Well, having been a woman 
in drag on the internet for over five years now, I've definitely seen a huge shift in people's perceptions and opinions of women in drag when I first started to people's perceptions and opinions of women in drag now. And I feel like a lot of that comes down to the fact that through social media, people are able to be exposed to drag in the real world and to the diversity that exists in the drag industry that may be a little bit different than what they see on just RuPaul's Drag Race. And even shows like Dragula and House of Drag and Camp Wanakiki are also kind of showing people like, hey, drag is not just one thing, even though the most popular show really only tends to feature one thing. So I definitely Mm -hmm. think that with drag becoming more mainstream over the years and with social media, with drag becoming more popular on social media over the past few years, I think that diversity in drag has definitely been a lot more acknowledged and represented and promoted. And I'm hoping, but I'm also confident that that will continue to be the trend for the next five years and beyond that. Um, So I don't know, I've just seen drag develop in such a way that it's becoming more mainstream, but it's never lost that inherent queer artistic power behind it. And I would just like to see drag continue exactly as it is. I think like one of my like secret worries with like asexuality becoming more well known is just that it's kind of going to lose that authenticity kind of like you said like you feel like drag hasn't. Do you ever worry about like dr- like I, I guess like the commercialization of drag and it kind of like losing its queerness as I guess like more like corporations get involved as it becomes like, more straight- mainstream. Yeah, as yeah. yeah. Do you ever like worry that I don't know that it'll it will eventually kind of like lose that? Um, I mean, I definitely worry about it, and I think that a lot of other people in the drag scene also worry about that. But I feel like that's why the queens who are participating in these shows, who are going on to take these commercial deals and work with major brands, are always very careful to make sure that that doesn't happen, and. I don't really fear the same thing kind of happening for asexuality. I feel like asexuality as it is now, when I first came out, I didn't know what it was. I hadn't, I went years and years and years having no idea that that was a thing that existed. And I feel like now asexuality is at a point where more people are aware of its existence. And I think that that's a positive thing. I don't think that it has gone into the, mainstreamness that drag has gone into um but for now for the time being i would actually like to see asexuality become more of a talked about thing and become more of a well-known thing because i still find myself explaining to people on a regular basis what it means to be asexual yeah like let it become mainstream and that comes with its own set of issues but let's let's face those issues once they come you know let's 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 make ourselves seen first (laughs) oh yeah i definitely agree i think the anxious tiny part of the back of my brain is always like when we become mainstream the haters are going to come but obviously that's like the haters are already here what are you talking about the haters are already here but also it's a completely worth it situation obviously to like it's a privilege i guess to deal with that to be in the mainstream yeah do you have advice for 
people who are like early in their discovery of their of their asexuality kind of that you've learned kind of now being a more like seasoned ace and more kind of comfortable talking about it and dealing with you know internet hate um yeah do you have any advice for kind of someone currently going through that um i guess what i would say is that like any other sexual identity other people do not get to label you. Other people do not get to tell you how you identify. Um, I think that that's definitely something that I wish I had heard early on because when I did first come out, it was, well, that's not a thing. There's only straight, gay, and bi. So you can be ace and one of those, but you can't just be ace. So there was just a lot of like, I wish that I was told that I didn't have to fit inside of a box, but that if I did want to put myself in a box, I can choose what label I want to put on it. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that I would tell to someone who's just kind of figuring themselves out. I would also tell them that it's completely normal to not be 100% sure how you identify and to still be figuring things out. Like I'm, I'm 29 years old. And although I know I'm asexual, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still figuring things out, especially when you are asexual, it makes it really hard to know your romantic orientation when you don't have that sexual attraction to go by. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's what I would tell people is that it's, it's okay to be figuring yourself out it's okay to use labels. It's okay to not use labels, but what's not okay is to let other people label you. T. That's so true. Bestie. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true, <laughs> Um, I also think like what you said earlier about for a while, just kind of like hating your asexuality and being like, okay, I'm, I don't want to, I would rather be anything else. Like that's obviously very sad to hear, but I think that's also like, good to hear for people currently going through that is like that's a very normal feeling like you don't come out as ace and automatically like be okay with it forever you know yeah like when I first came out there definitely wasn't that sense of ace pride I still don't like I still wouldn't feel comfortable posting a picture and captioning it like hashtag ace pride because I don't (laughs) I don't feel pride in my identity it just kind of it is my identity I didn't get to pick it but it is what it is. So I have a responsibility to provide that representation as somebody with a platform. I'm still coming to terms with actually liking that part of myself. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I think that's just like very good to hear of like you can, from the outside, I feel like it would seem that you are like super confident because you're using your platform in that way. But like even people who are talking about it or using their platform, like we're all figuring it out. I don't know. Sometimes I really question myself too, you know, like it's going to happen throughout your life. We're doing. No one knows. (laughs) We live on a floating rock, you know, to any of our listeners who are, who are like younger teenagers and like, you think that suddenly you're going to be an adult and like things are going to make sense. I really hate to break it to you, but that is not (laughs) how it works. And the same thing goes for your sexuality. There's, there's, there's not going to be like an aha moment. The, the moment you turn 18 and suddenly you know how to be an adult or how to be an asexual. It's just, you keep learning. Yeah. None of us, none of us know what we're doing. 
I'm almost 24, and I certainly thought I would have everything figured out by this time. And let me tell you a thing, I do not. That's okay. You're still an infant. It's fine. I am. It is okay. (laughs) Um... Awesome. Is there any anything else that you want to, I don't know, you feel like we didn't cover that you want to share? I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot and all the things that I kind of prepared in my head to say, I feel like I said all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you good. can, no is a good answer to that question. Yeah, no, <laughs> no is a perfectly acceptable answer to that question. Great. Okay, so Kayla, what's our poll for this week? Oh, I was just thinking about this and I don't have an answer. I mean, we could ask about, like, people's, like, how much people know about, like, the diversity of drag. Like, I don't know how we would phrase that question, but there's something to be asked there. I have nothing to write on. This is becoming a problem. We we need to say a question for the purpose of listeners. It can't just Um, be a surprise. (laughs) Well, it could. Um, I don't know. Maybe it will be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise to our pod listeners. There will be a poll on our Twitter. Check Twitter. Something to do with probably diversity and drag, but the wording is not coming to us now. So you'll it's, it's a surprise. I need time surprise to craft later. this tweet. I need <laughs> to craft a tweet. I don't know. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, you can tell us. Nope. I skipped nope. a whole section. You actually can't um, tell us. You can't tell us. <laughs> um... Kayla, what's your beef and your juice this week? Uh, my juice is I got my second round of vaccine juices inside of me on Sunday, which is, yeah, I juices. said it. The only Don't juices that we want inside of us. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I got the good, good, safe juice in my arm, which is very exciting. Now I am safe. Well, I guess in like two weeks when it fully goes through my body, I'll be safe. Just, just very exciting. Um, my beef is, listen, sometimes you get that second shot and you feel incredibly ill the next day. And that was me yesterday. And I felt as though I was perhaps dying. So that wasn't fun, but it is worth it. So, And you don't appear to be dead. So that's always a good place to well, start. Well, um, you don't know that. This could be a hologram. Okay. Okay. Is that why we're having so many technical issues? Because your hologram is messing <laughs> keep, up the yeah, My hologram keeps blipping out. Okay. Um, Sorry. My beef and my juice this week. My beef is that I have not been able to take my full dose of Prozac for several days because my prescriber was out of town. Is there not someone who can prescribe it who's not out of town? I have questions. I um, should have just shipped you my Prozac. I have some. <laughs> I could have just mailed you some in a little Thank envelope. You. Just... Some some drug dealing for drugs that have been That's prescribed fine, to right? us. <laughs> That's fine. Um, my juice, I uh, uh my juice is uh, I don't know, drinking a lot of water. I I don't know. Hydrate, guys. Great, <laughs> um, good. Venus Envy, what is your beef and your juice this week? Um, my beef for this week is that a whole bunch of different states, especially Arkansas and Alabama, and those really southern ones that start with an A are trying to put in place a bunch of anti-LGBTQ legislature that limits transgender students' ability 
um, to be referred to by their correct name and pronouns at school um, that makes it so transgender youth do not have access to gender affirming health care um, and that make it so transgender individuals do not have equal access to things like extracurricular activities and sports. So um, that is my beef for this week is that America needs to be moving forward, not backward. Um, and my juice for this week is that I love my friends and my friends are great and I like hanging out with them. That's good juice. These are very I, good beefs and juices. Those were very good. Yeah. Not, with, well, with, the beef is very bad, but I'm glad that you bad, brought that but, up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it was, people were like, oh, yes, like the governor vetoed it. And then it's like, yeah. And then he was overridden the next day by, by the, yeah. by not Congress, the state, the state people, the, you know, those ones. And that was just on, on one. There are, there are many more of these that are going to need to yeah. be voted on. So make sure that you are aware of the things that are happening in your state. I live in Florida, so I'm already sure that we're on the wrong side of whatever's going on here. So make sure that you are contacting your Congress people. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. And true. even if you live in a blue state, still contact your Congress people because there's still people are still doing nefarious things in blue states <laughs> yeah and also even if they already like support you know the the legislature you want them to support like letting them know that you support that as You're well displeased. Is, is still Thank beneficial you. good job keep it up <laughs> i really need to register thumbs up to you i need to register as a citizen of louisiana so that i can a citizen fully of louisiana yeah, whatever it's called. I need to be a, legally here a so I can a resident. I don't I haven't yet. It's been months and I'm sure there's a lot of things that these people need to hear from me also. Oh, yes. For a second I thought you meant our pod listeners and I was like I don't think our pod listeners really care that much about your issues about what state you legally live in. Um okay. <laughs> you, you can tell us about your beef, your juice, answer our mystery poll on our social media at sounds fake pod. Um Venus Envy, where can the folks of the internet find you? You can find me at Venus Envy Drag on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitch. Do I use them? Not really, but I'm still there. (laughs) (laughs) Give a little subscribe and and maybe you'll be uh, happily surprised one day. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, everyone, follow our lovely, lovely guest on all the social medias. Um, yes. Do you have anything aside from yourself that you want to promote before we leave? It can be anything, or you can say no. Um, <laughs> support gun control. Gun control now. Very good. <laughs> These are all very good things you're bringing up. Lots, lots of great <laughs> points. Wonderful. <laughs> We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash soundsfakepod. I will read the patrons later. Hey, it's Sarah from the future. When in the future, I cannot disclose that information to you for your safety and mine. Um, but just know that I am. Um, I have traveled to the future uh, to give you these patrons. Our 
$2 patrons. We have a new one. It is Peter G. Thank you, Peter. Our $5 patrons are Jennifer Smart, Asritha Vinicota, Austin Lay, Perry Fierro, D. Quinn Pollock, Emily Collins, Book Marvel, Simona Simon, Jamie Jack, Jessica Shea, Rhea Faustino, Daniel Walker, Livy, Madeline Askew, Lily, James, Corinne, Alice is in Space, Sky Simpson, Brooke Siegel, Ashley W., Savannah Cozart, Harry Haston Dugan, Soup, Amanda Kiker, Vishak, Jacob Weber, Amberlea Star, Rachel, Kate Costello, John, Ariel Laxo, Ellie, Tessa, Matias T., Chris, Laurentano, Sam, Kelly, Scott, Ainsley, Orlin Eve Isley, Julianne, Lost in Space, Colleen Walsh, Maddie, Super Sarah, Bagel, and we have two new $5 patrons there, Edward Hayes Holgate and Emily M. Thank both of you. You're wonderful. Our $10 patrons are Arknes, who'd like to promote the Trevor Project, Ranger Navarro, who'd like to promote me playing D&D, Anonymous, who'd like to promote Halloween, Sarah McCauley, who'd like to promote podcasts from Planet Weird, My Aunt Jeannie, who'd like to promote Christopher's Haven, Cass, who'd like to promote the best of luck on your journey to self-identification, Doug Rice, who'd like to promote Church 2 by Emily Joy, H. Valdez, Purple Chickadee, who'd like to promote using they as a gender-neutral single-use, single-use, I got weirded out by how I accidentally said chickadee. And I, it really distracted me from saying that that Purple Chickadee is promoting using they as a gender-neutral singular pronoun. Barefoot Backpacker, who would like to promote Reclaim the Night, the Steve, who would like to promote Ecosia, R.E.K., who would like to promote Thought Slime, Maddie, who would like to promote the Ian series by T.H. Hernandez, Derek and Carissa, who would like to promote the overthrow of heteronormativity, Aaron, who would like to promote Free Forehead Kisses, Kadir, who would like to promote Gnocchi Feta Fettuccine, as a name for a cat, Potato, who would like to promote Potatoes, Changeling MX, who would like to promote Starship, Changeling.net, Sarah Kujala, who would like to promote her dog's Instagram, at Avia the husky and david J, who would like to promote emergent strategy by adrian marie brown our 15 dollars patrons are nathaniel white nathanieljwhitedesigns.com my mom julie who would like to promote free mom hogs sarah jones who is at eternal lolly everywhere andy a who would like to promote being in unions in the iww martin giselle who would like to promote his podcast everyone's special and no one is layla who would like to promote love's love also applying to arrow people shrubbery who would like to promote the planet earth dish pell who would like to promote twitch.tv slash melody dia sharana j brown maggie capelbo who would like to promote the u.s Univers- lewis university's writing center at writing center lu and Andrew Hillam, who would like to promote the Invisible Spectrum podcast, and Dragonfly, who would like to promote, um, vibing. Um, and we have a $20 patron. This is our first $20 patron. It's Sarah T.E. Thank you, Sarah T. You're a delight. All Sarah's excellent. And I'm pretty sure of the Sarah's we have who are patrons, I think you all spell your name right. Um, just checking. It's important that I do that now. Yeah, I think you all spell your name right. So, wonderful. And Sarah would like to promote long walks outside. Thanks to all of our patrons. Uh, back to us in the past. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to the lovely Venus Envy for joining us today. Um, tune in next Sunday for more of us in your ears. Until then, take good care of your cows. <laughs>